you know, they would have alcohol, but they would get me like my favorite zero calorie drinks, like sparkling water with muddled lime in it. Like they would make mocktails oh, for that's me. Thoughtful. Yeah, they'd make mocktails for me or they get like non-alcoholic champagne and we would do mimosas or something like that. Um, but there were also friends that I had to get out of my life because they, like one girl straight up told me like, but you're more fun when you're drunk. Mm. And when you deal with things like that, it's like, okay, so we're actually not real friends here. If you think that I'm more fun when I'm drunk and you don't want to spend time around me if I'm not drunk, you's gots to go. Like <laughs> you gotta, you gotta scram, you gotta kick bricks barefoot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I realized since I stopped drinking, it's easier to set boundaries. Hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Let's go. All right. Hi, Brooke. Hello. I am back. How are you, Iris? Who's back? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you're back. I missed you. Oh, I missed you too. It was it was just such a uh, a long summer. Yeah. Like it went by really fast, but it also felt like an eternity as it was happening. So years are short, days are long kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly how it went. <laughs> <laughs> but we're back. Yes, we are. We are back and we are rejuvenated. We are back to normal routines. So very Ooh. happy about that. How was your summer other than very, very busy? I mean, if I'm being completely honest, it was overwhelming for sure. Trying to mm -hmm. juggle clients, trying to juggle my job at the pole studio, juggling in-person clients, just a lot of juggling. Halfway through the summer, I lost my childcare, like she ended up moving. So having to find that too. So, I mean, just a lot of kind of one thing after another happening, mm -hmm. you know, so it was a little overwhelming, but overall it was pretty good. Good. Yeah, I I feel like summer, especially for moms, I feel like summer can be super overwhelming because like it's like routine change on a schedule kind of thing and you have to reevaluate and adjust like <laughs> a couple times a year and see where you're yeah. at and really meet yourself where you are. Oh, for sure. And I think what was what's really hard is, you know, I don't get the luxury like other parents do where I can drop my son off at daycare for the day or like a boys and girls club and go to work. It's like I am a work from home mom and I am doing everything all the time. So mm. I think that's what made it a little bit overwhelming is that it was it's, you know, I'm a single mom. So full time single mom, full time working from home, balancing my other two jobs. It was just a lot. It was a lot, but we made it. We made it unscathed. Yeah. It can definitely be a really busy time for moms and parents in general, you know, and dads included too. So it can definitely be overwhelming, but we did have a lot of great moments during the summers. That's good. Balances it out, I hope. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Your summer, we're touching on your summer now. My summer was good. It was busy. We have friends and family in town now. Uh, my husband's cousin and his wife live here. My husband's brother lives here. We have another cousin that might move here. We have some local friends and like, it's great. Zero complaints. I love my in-laws. We get along really, really well. 
But it's just one of those things where like my social life has been popping uh, <laughs> where it, it hasn't been, you know, COVID lockdowns, moving to a new state, like consistency was a lot easier when I didn't have all these friends and family around. Mm, yeah. I've had a couple moments of like, <laughs> get your shit real, girl. Like, what do you want here? And then moving on from there. So. Oh, yeah. Listeners know I've been in a calorie deficit for a while. Like I've taken breaks. I've had days off. Um, it's just the consistency. And I've been back in it now for a couple of weeks, pretty hardcore. So not hardcore, like super low calories, but just ruthless consistency. Mm -hmm. Even with weekends with family and friends, it's just like, okay, this is what I want. This is what I say I want. My actions have to line up. And it's, it's a reality check for sure when you have a lot going on. Oh, yeah. One thing I was thinking about this morning is that there will always be something <laughs> that comes up and wants to take you off course. Like I was thinking, yeah, fall's going to slow down and then it'll be easier for me to be consistent. But like, no, <laughs> it's Renaissance festival season. It's like not so hot. So we can grill now and smoke stuff and smoke meats. My husband's amazing at that. There's always something. So it's been a, a real experience being super honest and like deciding what I want and following through, which I think everybody can relate to. <laughs> yeah. And that's, super we all important. have those moments. Yeah. It's super important to kind of, it, it's important to give yourself a kind reality check, a kind mm -hmm. reality check, not berating yourself, but you know, like, Hey, what do you really want? Do you want to, you know, lose fat or do you want to have this snack real quick? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Do I want another cupcake when I've already had two? It depends. And it all comes back down to do my actions line up with what I say I want. And mm -hmm. if I'm not getting what I want, which for a while was I was not getting fat loss, because obviously I was not in a calorie deficit. Part of it, some moments were intentional, some was just mindless. But the fact was like my actions were not lining up with what I said I want. And if you're not getting what you say you want, something is not right. Yeah. And you have to dig into what that is. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, before we go into Tangentville over here, we have some questions for a listener Q&A. Thank you guys for responding to that box. We have a, a good bunch of them that I've separated into three kind of topic umbrellas. One is nutrition, one is fitness, and one is mindset. So, Brookie, <laughs> you want to uh, set us up for the first one? Yeah. So how long can a person be in a deficit? And this person says that they know it depends on your goals, but is there a time limit you should not exceed? Hmm. What do you have to say about that, Iris? Well, it does depend. <laughs> That's everybody's favorite answer, right? I think if you are a person with a lot of extra adiposity to lose, you can very well be in a deficit for a longer period of time, a couple months. I mean, depending on the person, a year. It just depends. But if you're someone with maybe well, 20, 30, 40, I'd say less. And also paying attention to how you feel throughout the whole process. As far as like a time limit you should not exceed, I would say if your goal is to lose body fat in a healthy and sustainable way, do not set yourself up to try to lose like 10 pounds in a month. <laughs> That's something that I think in regards to like time limits doing things in a way that is slow and sustainable because it really is an answer that's, you know, dependent on number one, you. Number two, your current lifestyle and current habits. It depends on your 
you know, total daily energy expenditure. It's taking all of these things into account. So a time limit, it could be anywhere from, you know, eight weeks to 52 weeks. You know, it really (laughs) just depends on what your goals are. It also depends on if you're going to be taking diet breaks or not. And I think that there's a lot of thought into like, how long do I have to do this? Not what is going to be the most realistic and sustainable. Mm -hmm. What is actually going to get to my goals? Yeah. And I think too, from my experience, I think 12 to 15 weeks and not because past that point necessarily like something terrible happens to your body. Of course, if you don't have hardly any fat to lose, you probably shouldn't be in a deficit. The look you want probably comes from more muscle anyway. But it's that at that time period, that's when adherence starts to slip. You get diet fatigue. You get tired of it. And you just need a break. So that's something to consider too. And just like I said, paying attention to how you feel. How's your sleep? How's your biofeedback? Are you extremely food focused or are you kind of okay? Are you moody? Are you being bitchy? We have a whole podcast episode on like, these are the side effects of being in a deficit for a long period of time. Pay attention to that. When your personality starts shifting in a negative direction, maybe it's time for a break. I agree. I agree because I always know when I'm in a deficit, I always know when I need that break, when I start being angry at the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So hopefully that answers that question. Um, We do have another question that when I saw it, it actually kind of hit me in the feels because I know that this is something that can be really, really, number one, it could be really hard to ask somebody. So kudos for this person for asking, but it says advice for a newly diagnosed diabetic fighting hard to avoid disordered eating. Mm. I mean, my first piece of advice, um, especially if you're dealing with disordered eating or disordered patterns or habits, advice is great. But one thing that I would highly recommend for anybody, not just a, a newly dosed diabetic, but anybody struggling with disordered eating is to find a therapist that can work with you and that specializes in that because disordered eating it's not something that just a coach or a registered dietitian can work with. Like if you're dealing with disordered eating, first and foremost, we need to find the root of that, that issue. So my advice is to find a therapist that you trust. My second piece of advice is to hire a coach, hire a coach that has some experience working with people that have disordered patterns and behaviors and that can help you navigate that that new diagnosis. I think that that's really important because that's number one, it's really hard to get that diagnosis. And number two, if you're struggling with that and you're struggling with like disordered eating or habits or patterns, it can be really challenging. But for disordered eating specifically, I recommend seeing a therapist. For disordered patterns and behaviors, that coaches can help in that area, but there is a difference between that and disordered eating. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. I feel like... With a new diagnosis of anything, there's like a lot of emotions that come up with that too that you need to deal with because like, oh, your life is different now. You can't deny that. There are things about your life that need to change that you probably have no control over. And Mm -hmm. that's rough. That is really hard. So 100% agree with that. And then I would just add on the same things that anybody would do to work on their disordered thought patterns and behavioral patterns around food, like removing the labels 
incorporating foods that you can safely incorporate. Obviously, with health conditions, there's more emphasis on like certain foods that maybe need to be avoided, depending. Obviously, talk to a doctor. Flexible mindset, mindfulness, all of that stuff. Honesty with yourself and professional help, like Brooke said. That part, that chunk goes for everybody. Mm -hmm, For sure. A lot to unpack. So next question, can you speak a bit on how PMS and period affects things with nutrition and exercise? This person says, sometimes I'm ravenous and have zero energy. What to do? Sometimes like when it's around that time of the month, sometimes like the best thing that I personally like to do is go up to maintenance. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a little bit of extra calories if you get like a sweet tooth or if you're super hungry, give yourself a little bit of wiggle room with your calories. As far as zero energy, it's going to happen. So you really want to prioritize your sleep. You really want to prioritize your rest days, making sure that you're putting yourself like that, that week. I mean, we should always put ourselves first, but in that week specifically, you know, you really want to make sure that you're taking care of your fitness, your nutrition and your rest. I think for the fatigue and having no energy, rest is extremely important. Mm -hmm. You got to meet yourself where you are. Um, I mean, energy fluctuates anyway. And especially around, I know for me, when that time comes around, I am just, I am out. I have no energy. And so understanding that that can happen and not trying to fight it, accepting reality where it is and meeting yourself there. Um, Your workouts might suck. (laughs) You might even not want to go. And sometimes that's fine. If you're super, super hungry, if you have cravings, incorporate them. Get yourself back up to maintenance, Brooke. I love that. That's what I do. Just give yourself that time and, you know, it'll be over before you know it. And part, I was thinking about this the other day. I was kind of laughing. TMI, maybe. I don't know. I don't care. I have rough periods. <laughs> I, I, I feel like shit. I have no energy. I want to eat everything, but anything I eat makes me feel like trash. But the week after, I feel like a monster. Like I can take over the world. <laughs> So I've kind of learned to appreciate that and meet myself where I am, as weird as that might sound, and just like appreciate that, you know, some weeks I don't feel great and some weeks I feel great and maybe playing off of each other because I don't feel great this week. I feel extra good the next week. It's just accepting reality kind of deal. But then also a little bit of tough love for the girls out there who periods coming down the line, you're craving everything, you want to eat everything. This is something that somebody told me a while ago that I'm going to pass on, which I've passed on a few times. But you know, it's coming. So like, frankly, you should not be surprised and blindsided when you start feeling this way. And there are ways to manage it, like incorporating the food you're craving into your life. And also being honest with yourself sometimes and saying like, you know, I'm having this major craving. I can have a little bit and just let it go. I don't have to go balls to the wall. Just, you know, it's going to happen. So find some, find some ways to manage it. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Yes and no, because not everybody has a regular period. That's fair. So that's That's something, that's the one thing that I think of is like the people that don't have a regular period what I would recommend is really start taking notes, like legitimately take notes about how you're feeling. Like if you end up getting your period and it is irregular, look at the previous week and then look at the current week that you're on and write down, like become self-aware, write down how you feel before your period, during your period and after your period. 
and just keep track, like keep some data on that, because that can be really, really helpful for when, you know, if you're, you are having irregular cycles you're, and you start to feel really fatigued, you start to feel like your workouts are harder and you're using the same intensity, definitely start being more self-aware about those things. Because then when you start to physically feel that way, you're like, oh, you know what? My period's probably coming. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Next question, is collagen good enough, comparing it to whey protein, to use in daily shakes? I guess, what do you mean by good enough? It depends on what you're you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Would I recommend it to a client? No. Uh, The reason is, is that collagen is not a complete protein. Uh, Whey is a complete protein. So I would definitely recommend using whey. Now, if you can't tolerate dairy, I recommend um, egg white protein powder, which is great if you can't tolerate eggs. I recommend a pea protein if you're vegan or vegetarian. Yeah, I'm speaking from the muscle building side of it. Collagen is nowhere near good enough (laughs) as compared to whey protein. Collagen has the lowest amount of leucine in it, um, which is the amino acid responsible for stimulating protein muscle synthesis, which is what you want when your goal is to build muscle mass. So no. Now, if you're having just like a little bit of it, that's fine. But I would absolutely not recommend getting most of your protein from collagen. No, I I would definitely, yeah, I would definitely recommend like a whey protein or, you know, again, if you're vegan, a a pea protein, just anything that's going to get you essential amino acids, that's going to be what's most important. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to the fitness section. If you're sore from a workout the previous day, should you still work out? It depends on how sore you are. Mm-hmm. It really depends on how sore you are. If you get off the couch and you're like, oh my God, I can't stand up. My legs are, they feel like lead or your body is just insanely fatigued. You should probably take a rest day. But if you are, you know, you stand up, you're like, oh, okay, I can feel that. Like that, you know, it's a little bit sore. Then yeah, you you could still work out the next day. And also make sure that you're not working out like five or six days a week. Like three to four times is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you're on a like an upper lower, upper lower split, you could probably work out the next day. The one thing I would really be aware of is that if you're so sore that you can't move properly and your form potentially is out of whack because you can't get into position, mm, probably take a rest day because that risk reward is just not the right ratio. <laughs> if, if you can't get into proper form, mm, I just wouldn't. I agree. Any tips on mentally getting through injury recovery? Obliterated my Achilles tendon and waiting for it to heal. The mentality part is really, really challenging because a lot of people, they kind of victimize themselves when this thing, when this happens. And so really just understanding and taking in that this isn't going to last forever. And the more that you're proactive about your recovery, the better you're going to do. Like think about things that you can do and focus on those things. Don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can. Now, if you've obliterated your Achilles tendon, I highly, I I at least hope that you're doing physical therapy. Other than that, it's really about trying to shift your mindset and focus on, again, the things that you can do, not the things that you can't. Maybe it's a good time to focus on stretching. 
Maybe it's a good time to focus on your nutrition. You know, maybe that's a that's a really good time to actually dial in your nutrition and make progress that way. So it really, I mean, if you're not seeing a physical therapist, go see a physical therapist first and foremost. And then the mental side, yeah, focus on what you can do. Agreed. Because there is almost, I would say almost always something you still can do, even if it's maybe not, you know, your favorite thing to do. There's something you can, like if you've hurt your foot, I'd be willing to bet there are some upper body movements you could still do. There's actually some interesting research supporting the idea that if you, you know, if you hurt one leg or one arm, if you work the other one still safely and smartly and prudently, you know, you can actually help recovery on that, the other side, um, retain some muscle mass, retain some strength. Susan Niebergall is actually a really good person to talk about this because she's been very open about dealing with some hip stuff and some shoulder stuff. And that's, she says, there's always something you can do, almost always, unless you're like bedridden. <laughs> you can safely play around and see, write a list of the things you can do and then start there. And like Brooke said, yes, physical therapy, go there, do that. <laughs> <laughs> Work yourself back up, strengthen, <laughs> ease your way back in. And give yourself some grace. You obliterated yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually really important. Like, don't think that you're going to lose all of your progress just because this happened, because y- you aren't losing all of your progress. You're, it's, it's kind of being taken away from you. So mm-hmm. you didn't lose it. It was taken. So just, you know, come at this with grace and compassion towards yourself, because it's it's hard to go through an injury for sure. Mm-hmm. And think about this too. You probably have like decades of exercise left. Decades. It's not the end of the world. Like I know I've I've been injured. It is frustrating as all hell to not be able to do the things you want to do. But it's not the end of the world. And the honestly, I think sometimes people forget the fact that you even want to continue is a big deal. Because how many times do people you know, have something happen. And then they just throw their hands up in the air and say, oh, well, I'm done. Can't do anything anymore. Exactly. All right. Can you please clarify the difference between a muscle building phase and a body recomp phase? I like this question. Yeah. I like this question. A muscle building phase is when you are eating in a slight calorie surplus, lifting with progressive overload with hypertrophy moves and rep ranges to put on muscle tissue. It's optimized. You are eating more. You've got that fuel you want to build. Body recomp, a body recomp phase, you're eating pretty much around maintenance. And you are really still hitting the weights hard. It's not just going to happen if you're not lifting the weights intelligently with a good program. But you're not necessarily in a surplus. Some people calorie cycle. So like some days they're in a deficit. Other days they're a little bit above maintenance. But there is there is a difference there. Now, I will say body recomp is slower, which nobody likes to hear because it's not specifically optimized for muscle building, that a bulk is that. And we have a question next um, that we can, I think, just run into, which is thinking about my first bulk, insights, a billion question marks and exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, you're going to gain weight. Yep. That like that's first and foremost, like just know that like and I I have worked with clients where they want to do their first intentional bulk and we start slowly at increasing their calories each week and 
all of a sudden they start fucking freaking out because they're gaining weight. That's that's what a bulk that's is. That's the point. <laughs> you can't be in a bulk without gaining even the slightest amount of body fat. So that is something to think about first and foremost. I think doing your first bulk is a great idea. I don't think enough people ever transition to that point where they want to do a bulk. So I think that that's going to be a really, really good idea. And another insight is make sure that you are bringing intensity to your workouts because if you're not that's going to be a really rude awakening when you're, you don't have the muscle tone that you want to have at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And I, here's the deal. I don't think two thoughts can coexist, right? I think going into an intentional building phase can be one of the most empowering things that a woman can do for herself. And also I don't think every woman has to. And I think there are a lot of people who shouldn't. They don't need to because they are not okay with gaining weight. And I want to make that very crystal clear that that will happen. That is the point. <laughs> yeah. You will be gaining weight and you will be putting on some body fat. That is part of the game. A lot of people, like I was just talking to somebody recently who and I, I asked her point blank, I was like, are you satisfied with the amount of body fat you have right now? And she said no. And we were talking about she wanted to transition to muscle building and wanted some thoughts about that. And I was like, are you okay with this? And she said no. And so then one of the things I've been thinking about is if you're not satisfied with the amount of body fat you have, you shouldn't go into a build and put on more. Like that's, again, that's the point. It's going to happen. And I think simultaneously you can like work with yourself in your mind about this, like getting more okay and like talking to yourself about this and realizing that, you know, your worth, your happiness, your peace, your joy, all of that do not come from the level of body fat that you have on your body. And also, if you're not okay with putting on a little bit of body fat, you shouldn't do it. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. Agreed. Yeah. But again, as I said, it can be one of the coolest things you've ever done. I'm, I'm so glad I've done two now and they've been so empowering. You just have to be very raw and honest with yourself. Like, am I okay with this? And if not, can I become okay with this or not? And you don't have to. That's the thing. This is a lifelong game. <laughs> it is more optimized. It will be a little bit faster, but muscle gain is slow as hell. And you just got to be okay with it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yes, seconding what Brooke says too, muscle is not just going to come on. You have to push yourself in the gym. You have to really get familiar with training close to failure and really just leaving it out on the floor most of the time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, next question. Have either of you taken a pause on an intentional goal? What does that look like? And how did you hit play to continue on the precious game plan? I love this question. Me too. I love this. And the reason why is because I absolutely fucking have. I've actually currently been taking a pause on like my flexibility goals and whatnot, just because during the summer, it was really, I, I had other things to prioritize. I had to prioritize, you know, I mean, my, my son, I couldn't, go to the gym as frequently or as often as I wanted to. Between that and the pole studio, you know, I was still getting workouts in, but just not as frequently. And something had to give. And so I paused like my split training. 
And when it says like, how did you hit play to continue on the precious game plan? Like I made a plan. Like when my son gets back in school, I'm going to focus on getting my stretching in because that's like an additional 30 to 45 minutes after a workout that I'm doing this. So I've absolutely had to hit pause. I also have had a wrist fusion surgery on my right wrist. I have a partially fused wrist and I really wanted to do a pull-up. Well, there's no way I'm going to do that with a partially fused wrist. So I had to put a pause on that goal and work towards something else in the interim. And so absolutely I've had to hit pause. Like I had to take pause away from that. But in order to hit play to continue, pick a start date. Like for me, it was like on September 6th, I am getting back into my split 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 mm-hmm. training while my son is in school. I picked a date and this might come off a little harsh, but you just have to fucking do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have put pause most recently on my calorie deficit. I was mm-hmm. nailing it from the beginning of the year. And then I took a pre-planned break and then I jumped back in. Then I got sick. <laughs> so I had to put a pause on it. And that pause was extended because we all of Team BFF went to Maine. And I was like, I'm not going to be in a deficit in Maine with all my teammates. (laughs) Yeah, hell no. So that extended the pause. And now I'm back in a calorie deficit. And my original plan was to be in a deficit for like 10 weeks at the beginning of the year, take a three-week break, and then get back in, hammer it out, and get it done. And that didn't happen. It just, it didn't happen. And that's okay. (laughs) And that's when you really have to give yourself grace with the timelines. You have to be okay with shifting your timelines. But again, like Brooke said too, when I wanted to get back into it, like I knew like, all right, get back from Maine, hitting it again. That's my plan. And that's what I did. Give yourself a start date. You give yourself an end date. And as we've talked about before, not like I'm going to lose 10 pounds by this date, but Build yourself, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm going to be as consistent as possible for 10 weeks and then I'm done and get to it. You just have to put in the work at that point. Yeah. Sometimes we hold a death grip on the goals we set and the plans we have. And sometimes life just doesn't work out the way we want it to. And we have to be okay with shifting that sometimes and reevaluating. Like, is this what I want? Not right now. Okay, cool. Is this what I want? Yes, it is. All right, let's go. All right. This next question. Do you ever think it's okay to give unsolicited advice in the gym? Sometimes I'm worried for people lifting huge weights with dangerous form, but I feel like an ass for wanting to correct them, but I also don't want them to be hurt. Mm. I want to hear what you have to say first, Iris. I think I would err on the side of, no, it's not. Keep your mouth shut. (laughs) I think if someone is in imminent danger and you know it and you see it, you can tell somebody at the desk covertly like, hey, I'm worried about this person. I don't want them to get hurt. Is there anything you can do? And maybe, you know, they can go up and like start a conversation. But I don't think... It's your circus. And I don't think they're your monkeys, as the saying goes. I also know, and this drives me crazy, and I don't want to sound like pretentious, but people think they know more than they do. And they are so quick to correct when they don't have the knowledge and experience to correct well. 
which is just, it can be way more confusing for the person and embarrassing. And I mean, well, I'll stop. I want to hear what you have to say. I have more thoughts, but those are my initial thoughts. No, my my first thought is I, I don't think it's okay. And even though like, it's good that you're worried about someone else, I'll give you that. But also it's not your business. It's none of your business. You know, like I actually have been given unsolicited advice from, you know, an older guy at the gym that I was deadlifting wrong when I was doing a sumo deadlift. And you don't know the reason behind why they're doing something a certain way. You don't know if that person has a coach or not. But if people are lifting, quote unquote, huge weights with dangerous form, if you're talking about a competitive power lifter that's trying to lift like 500 pounds off of the ground, they're not going to have perfect form. Plain and simple, like something's got to give when that's it comes a max to the lift. body. Yeah. So if they're yeah. like max lifting, and it also depends on your your view of what dangerous form is, because like, are you a coach? Mm-hmm which I agree, like you should back off the weight a little bit, but like I'm a coach and I can give that advice, but I would never want to because they don't pay to go to the gym to have you give them unsolicited advice. They pay to go to the gym to do their own thing. So to be 100% honest and frank, I don't think it's okay to give unsolicited advice at the gym. I really like Iris's approach where, yeah, go talk to the gym staff and be like, hey, I'm not a professional, but I think that this person's about to get hurt. So that's something super easy and super, you know, thoughtful also to do. Like, it's it's nice that you worry about this person, but it's also none of your business. And I'm saying that as respectfully as possible. Yeah. I mean, I've been on the other end of that. I have somebody at my gym who used to comment on everything I was doing until I finally was like, look, dude. I have a coach. I have my programming. I would appreciate it if you would not critique everything I'm doing. Yeah. And the final straw was I was doing an anterior delt press, which was at like a 60 degree incline and I was training to failure. So my form was breaking down towards the end. I was going really, really hard. And he was telling me how my bench incline was too high. And I was like, dude, do you know my programming? Do you know what I'm trying to do? I'm not trying to do a bench press. I'm trying to do an anterior delt press. Thank you for your concern. So, I mean, sometimes people think they know more than they know. And this is kind of going back to what we were talking about with Mary a while ago, talking about comments and forums. You have to know what you're talking about. And some people, I mean, some people think they know more than they do. And you can tell in the comments they say and the things they're telling you, it's just like there's there's not the knowledge behind what they're saying. They're just repeating things. Side slight tangent there. <laughs> I have been in gyms for a while now, and you can kind of tell when people look confused and they don't really know what they're doing or where they're going. And I think in that situation, you can ask like, hey, are you OK? <laughs> are you looking for something? respectfully. But also, keep your eyes on your own paper. Don't turn that into here, let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do this. Let me show you how to do this. You're doing that wrong. Let me show you how to do this. That is not okay. A couple weeks ago, I saw a couple girls struggling with the squat rack. They didn't know how to adjust the height of it. And I was resting in between sets. So I just asked them like, hey, you good? Do you know how to work that thing? It's like super annoying, which it is. I hate the squat rack. (laughs) 
So, so I just, I, you know, I made a joke. I was like, that thing's so annoying. Do you want me to help? And they were like, yes, please. Thank you. And like, that was it. But only because like, I've been around enough to know when somebody looks confused. But when it comes to lifting, you don't know their goals. You don't know their history. You don't know them. You don't know, <laughs> you don't know anything about them. And unless they ask, I just don't, just don't, is my opinion. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, allow gym staff to deal with it. Allow that. But, you know, it's nice that you don't want someone to get hurt. But yeah, like at the same time, like, think about how it would make you feel if someone did that to you. Yeah. And I do know, I do understand the frustration sometimes of, you know, seeing people lift weights in a way that I think is questionable <laughs> from my knowledge base of how to exercise. I get the frustration when you see it, but also you have to ask yourself, is this my place? And I think most of the time it's not. I think majority of the time it's not. So anyway, the last question we have, which I feel like could be a whole episode on itself. Um, I would love to hear more about alcohol and why you both decided not to drink fellow sober girly likes to hear other stories. I guess I'll go first. <laughs> I stopped drinking because it was becoming a problem. You know, yeah. I started using alcohol to, to mask issues that I was feeling that I didn't want to come to light. I remember like the day that I decided to give up alcohol. It was the day after my son's birthday because the day of my son's birthday, I got completely trashed and I fell asleep on the living room floor. And then the next day I woke up in my bathroom covered in vomit. So I thought, you know, Drinking is not not going to do it for me. Drink. I, this is something I need to stop because it's impacting my life. And you know, at the time, like you know, I was doing a three four day split with uh, workouts and whatnot. Now I work out almost. I, I work out about six times per week, sometimes twice in the same day, just because of my pole fitness stuff. But like, I was really struggling with my workouts, and and I'll be one hundred percent honest. A lot of them weren't even fucking getting done because I was hungover, and nobody likes to work out hungover. So, I decided, you know what, this isn't bringing any benefit to my life. And I want you to think about that if you're a you know a sober person, you know, or you're considering getting sober. Like, what does alcohol bring to your life that's super positive? Like, unless like except for liquid courage, like there's really no fucking reason. So. Yeah, I I stopped drinking because it was impacting my daily life. And yeah, that's my story. <laughs> I stopped drinking because it made me feel like shit. And I don't like feeling like shit <laughs> is basically it. I don't know that I had an alcohol abuse problem. I will say I did, I did cope a little bit with alcohol, even though I never got to the point of being drunk. I did get to the point of being tipsy. I forget that sometimes. <laughs> um, back in like high school, college, I definitely did that in secret. Although, to be honest, in my mind, I kind of lump it in with like my binging issues and my food hiding and hoarding issues. Just it was severe lack of healthy coping mechanisms and outlet, I think. But I very rarely overdid it. I will say that I've never liked the feeling of being drunk. Um, so I, I didn't ever really get to that point. Um, but I do remember the last time I drank, I did get to that point because uh, one of our best friends was in town staying with us for the weekend. And we were hanging out and talking and we were talking about some hard stuff. 
uh, some deep stuff and we were drinking and I just kept drinking because I didn't want to think about what we were talking about. And I went and passed out on the couch and woke up feeling like I needed to puke my guts out. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it's just not worth it. I don't like the taste enough to deal with how I feel afterwards is the thing. I do like wine, but I still feel like trash. I don't sleep well. I I just, I don't know. It's just not worth it to me. Yeah. And I don't think it's really worth it to anybody if we're being quite honest. If you have to be, if you have to drink to deal with friends or family members, guess what? Like you're avoiding tough conversations or or you're you're dealing with not eliminating people out of your life that you probably should eliminate, you know, like, mm-hmm. So that that's just kind of like my my touch on it. And you know, I'm going up on you know, this is I I haven't drank in three and a half years. And I know for me, what was very interesting was how people treated me after I stopped drinking. Some people, like my my real friends, they 100 percent supported me. They would be considerate of me with our because we do like game nights every month. And, you know, they would have alcohol, but they would get me like my favorite zero calorie drinks, like sparkling water with muddled lime in it. Like they would make mocktails oh, for that's me. thoughtful. Yeah. They'd make mocktails for me or they get like non-alcoholic champagne and we would do mimosas or something like that. Um, but there were also friends that I, I had to get out of my life because they, like one girl straight up told me like, but you're more fun when you're drunk. Mm. And when you deal with things like that, it's like, okay, so we're actually not real friends here. If you think that I'm more fun when I'm drunk and you don't want to spend time around me if I'm not drunk, you's gots to go. Like you gotta, you gotta scram. You gotta kick bricks barefoot, you know? (laughs) I realized since I stopped drinking, it's easier to set boundaries because I've been doing it consistently. But at the same time, like, you know, if you're considering not drinking, I know this person is also sober, but like if you're listening to this and you're thinking that you want to give up drinking, you have my full support. Yeah, mine too. Give it a shot. 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Yeah, put a timeline on it. I do think if you give yourself a challenge like that and you don't think you can do it, I think that's a sign to dig a little deeper. Yeah, I I would agree. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. I actually haven't, I don't know, maybe this says something about my friends, but I actually didn't get any shit from any of my friends about deciding not to drink anymore. I did. And it was They'd, my drinking friends. It was my yeah. drinking friends. <laughs> there are some people I have not hung around in quite a while. And I am curious because I don't also think they know that I don't drink anymore. I'm curious how they would react to that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. All of my friends are just kind of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's a non-issue. Yeah. Like Which they like great. craft beer and, and they they partake and I don't, and it's just not a thing. It's, it's really great. So yay. I love my friends. <laughs> yeah. And thank you to everybody who put questions in here for us to talk about. Yeah. They, they were awesome questions. And uh, I really am happy we got to answer some of those for you. Me too. And I'm glad Brooke and I got to record together. Finally. It's been a hot minute. It really I has. love it. Finally. <laughs> Even though today my brain has been a little scatterbrained. It's been Back to school time is always the first couple weeks are always a little bit challenging. So thank you for loving me through it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, always, girlfriend. 
All right, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, Thank you for your messages. Thanks for sharing the episodes that you enjoy on your socials. Thanks for your reviews. Thanks for being you. Yeah. (laughs) We will talk to you next time. Same time, same place. We love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice. <laughs>